the Brendan Queeley welcome. Let me just say welcome, welcome, welcome. Episode number 65 of the Get Around. I'm James Cook, back for a second go-around as host. Can Congratulations. I, let me do this again so I can't have messed it up that bad, right? Who, who is they is the question. I don't know. We're a team around here. Everybody gets to t- chip in. Whoever they is, they didn't have a choice in the matter. Exactly. Brett leaves the state. He gives up the reins. By the way, I'm joined by the one and only Jake Atnip and Harrison Beebe filling in for Brett Some, Somebody. Who's, yeah. <laughs> who's gone to, you know, across the pond to Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Sorry, sorry, Wisconsin. Brett had to come back and say hello for a day or two. Are you doing a Canadian accent nah. for Wisconsin? He just, he says sorry. Does he? Oh, yeah. Huh. Brett says sorry, and he, he will not get over that it's sorry instead of sorry. I guess I'll have to hone into that a little better than I have in the past. I'll have to, bump. I'll have to pay attention to that. I'll, I'll have bump. to make him apologize to me more often. Yeah, yeah, I'll say bump into his shoulder or something. Oops, sorry. He'll get there. It's, it's, it's almost like a youper. Yeah, Brett's kind of a youper at heart. He likes the Packers. That's They're the UP team. He's got like a snowmobile. Big day for NFL yesterday, huh, boys? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of controversy. That's why we're here, right? There's there's con- controversy on refs, there's con- controversy on overtimes, there's controversy on broadcasters, there's controversy yeah, on quarterbacks. If, if yeah, that, if that Saints call didn't happen and they, uh, they won the game, I would have predicted the Super Bowl right in September, which is a big deal for me because yeah, I, I don't watch any NFL. Well, I, chose, <laughs> I chose the Saints to go to the Super Bowl too, but... Yeah. Well, I chose them like back before the yeah, season no, started. Long okay, time ago. All I, right. I said that too. No, literally, it was at the Good. very beginning of the season. Good, we're both smart. Well, before Mark Ingram came back, they looked amazing. And once Mark Ingram came back, it was like, wait, like, I think this whole team is going to be able to make it. But too late now. Didn't I pick Rams Chiefs on TV with you once? Uh, Brett did the Super Bowl pick. You did the Final Four Frozen Four pick. Yeah, when we were doing stuff, but there was one time I think when you asked. We were just talking about like a pine night or something. Cause it was because it was no, I think it was on TV because it was right after the Monday night game. Oh, that didn't air. Sorry, I uh, thought your picks <sighs> your picks were too embarrassing. I couldn't have possibly aired those for an audience to hear. Oh, uh, well, my pick was Rams Chiefs. So it was, it was right. this close. Uh, this I was, close. I was I, closer because of a controversial call. <laughs> well, either way, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. That's our trifecta, though, right? Yeah, we'll see. We're, we're gonna dive into some more NFL talk. We can dive trifecta. into NFL whenever the heck we want, but you know. We'll is it, it is it the or fun not. league now? Or not. Is it still the no fun league, or are we having a little fun? I think we're having some Those fun. Those were two they're really allowing, good games. Yes, but two to be good honest games, you, and they're allowing celebrations now, which I If it was I the appreciate. fun league, I think they would have like rigged it to be Rams-Chiefs in the Super Bowl for that 54-51 You think they would have rigged against the Patriots? Saying, well, I mean, if they really wanted to have some fun, yeah, honestly. Did you guys see that video today? Tom Brady and Gronk posted one with uh, P. Diddy. We ain't going nowhere in the background. Oh, yeah. We ain't... Yes. Going nowhere. With Gronk. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, I'm surprised Brady even knows how to Instagram that stuff. Oh, out. No, have you ever, if you follow Tom Brady he, on Instagram? I don't have He has people that do that stuff I, for him. It doesn't matter. I follow Tom Brady on Instagram. He is a savage. Like, on a regular. Randy he, Savage. No, he has, he has somebody who, like, makes, like, comic strips from after each one of the games where it'll literally, like, be like a little comic strip of the game. What is where they make Tom Brady into, like, Superman and... They show him like breaking through like a wall with his team. They're like thirteen and two. Captain Patriot. Literally, it's you should if you don't follow him on Instagram, I'd say at least go take a walk. Are we are we at least in consensus? Like I don't love Tom Brady or the Patriots, but is is he the best of all time? Has that now been even He's the re- goat. without there's, knowing the results of a, Super Bowl Fifty Three? It's not even a debate. It anymore. I know it sucks to admit it, but He's with, doing it with so many different guys. Well, yeah, so many but different that's years. the thing is, and I I I've never said he. I think he's a great quarterback. Nine, well, he's one of the best. No, no. 
the best. Yeah, it has no, to be. I mean, like, we, were, we were talking the other day, like, when you think of the Patriots, you don't really think of any running backs. Like, you can remember some, but there weren't running backs that really, what, Corey Dillon, Lawrence Maroney? Well, you got to uh, remember, Marshall you, Falls, you, Falls, afraid of Rex Burkett. Sonny Michelle did well this season, but it's he always did, three or it's, four. You know, James White. They're, or, they're the ones that help, whereas a lot of other teams that get to the Super Bowl, their running back's a big reason why. And Like Todd Gurley. Every single Patriots team is quarterback throwing first. Well, you got to think... At the beginning of the year, just like what Tom Brady got all mad, oh, we don't have any skill players, no position players. They got rid of their wide receivers. Edelman was out. Gronk's been injured all year. It doesn't matter. I mean, if, if you watch that last drive by Tom Brady in overtime, I mean, he was making, and I know this is what professional quarterbacks are supposed to do, but we're talking about throws into a six-inch window in only places where people would catch it. He, 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 when Gronk ran a flag route in the middle, he threw it about hip level with Gronk on the run with three guys around Gronk, and they needed a first down on, like, 39. Hit him exactly where he needed to. And you just see, like, this guy's 40 years old, and he's just as good, if not better, than anybody else. And still makes less money than Matthew Stafford. I I was just going to say, I wish Matthew Stafford could make half those throws. Even half, literally. Even half, I wish. And then he would be worth the money. But once again, somebody like Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, they realize the formula isn't paying somebody a billion dollars to win a game. Do you guys see Belichick, like, slamming that tablet on the side? Oh, (laughs) yeah, yes. Surprised he didn't do the old, uh, like, break over the bat over the knee with the tablet. Yeah, my buddy tweeted out, Steve Ballmer's really upset by that uh, Microsoft Surface getting destroyed. We should get Brendan in here to see what he thinks about the NFL. He, he watched the games with me. Because I'm halfway so. expecting Brendan to bust into the. Uh, he's really right excited. Talk about he's a really big Rams fan. On a sports podcast. <laughs> he, he's really excited for the Rams because he has an ex girlfriend that's dating a Rams athletic trainer. So he has, <laughs> he has some sort <laughs> kind of, of an awkward ex relationship connection with the L.A. Rams. Yeah, he used to date Sean McVay, who is bo- was born in the same year as me. So that's making me feel really unaccomplished that he's already coaching in a Super Bowl and I. Get to guest host on a podcast. He's a wonderkin. Don't worry about him. But uh, there's still more. I mean, but you get to guest host on the best podcast in Northern Michigan within hundreds of miles. We'll save some of this more for. Let's the get to the kids. Yeah, yeah I want to talk about the kids. Enough yeah. of this NFL yeah. garbage. I got some more to say, but later. You got something to say? I got something to say. <laughs> if that's not a good enough reason to stick around for a full hour, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I got, I got something, something to say. say. I'm going to get you fed, and i got something to say. Yeah. So you got to go pro wrestling there. Go your pro wrestling boys. Randy Savage. I did the Jake. I already did the Randy's. Oh, yeah, dig it. Mm. So speaking of which, and that we can get, we're going to have Traverse City West wrestlers. Some real Damian wrestlers. Damian Ballin. Guys who are actually Dairy. good at it. Yeah, very, very, very good wrestlers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they, their combined record is, what did we say, 64 60, and 8 yeah, 64 this season? Yeah, 64 and 8. I mean, that's kind of insane. I well, think that these are your first wrestlers in the history of the get-around, too, so they're... Uh, Breaking first, barriers here. First wrestling guests, so I don't know how the heck that was, didn't, never was, happened before. It was a good interview, though. Definitely got some good insights on uh, some some wrestling minds, so make sure you stick around for that. Yep, an interview brought to you by Jimmy John's. Share our podcast and be entered in a drawing for two Jimmy John's sandwiches. Uh, this week's winner is Mark Wade, so we'll be getting a hold of you to uh, to get you your little certificates. To get you fed. But we are sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's. Freak, yeah. All right, with that, we need to actually talk about some, maybe some high school sports. How about that? Yeah. Should we do that? Should That's we, probably we, what motivates we the listens. Should we do that? Brendan will be really proud to know it. we took this long without him. Yeah, we him. took eight minutes without him. Um, what, what do we got to come up in this episode, Jim? We're going to have a Hall of Fame. 
We're going to have our power rankings, break down our power rankings for boys basketball, girls basketball, hockey. Uh, we have our interview with Hunter Derry and Damian Ballon, as we talked about. We're going to talk about the Pulse, where we're going to discuss should there be a shot clock in high school basketball. Uh, Brett wrote a column about that this week. Our esteemed colleague. We're going to have the trifecta later, which is going to be a little more NFL talk. More because we, we haven't had enough. Yeah. Yeah. But here we wanted to talk about a couple other things before we got to the Pulse, which is, is Kingsley girls basketball better than they were last year? Right. I mean, they're coming off one of the best weeks probably in program history, defeating Man and Glen Lake back-to-back. No real serious issues. I mean, the Glen Lake game was, was pretty competitive there for the first half, but Kingsley went on to win the second half. The Manton game... Jake, you were, yeah. you were there with me for that it one. That late. one wasn't even a contest. But Glenn Lake and Manton both one-loss teams heading into those games. Yeah, Manton's still a really good team, yeah. but they were in no way winning. It kind of reminded me of the uh, boys' district game between Glen Lake and Manton last year mm-hmm. in the first round where y- you knew Manton was a good team, and you knew on a good day they were just as likely to win that game as anybody else. But just unfortunately for that draw on that day, the Rangers were not in the same atmosphere as the team they were playing in that kind of – Seemed what it was like with Kingsley Manton. They had playmakers, but it, nothing was going down. And meanwhile, everything Brittany Bowman was shooting was going down, and that really kind of put that one on a place. So it kind of makes you think, you know, even without Jalen Brumfield, even without uh, Rebecca Crosby, you know, is this Kingsley team just as good, if not better? They're ranked. And Kelsey Buys. And Kelsey Buys, too. I knew there was another uh, the stag I forgot. Mm-hmm. No, she was very important to that team. So even with losing some key names, are they still just as impressive? Are the girls, the, the younger girls that are coming back, did they develop enough more? And, you know, what happened in that Final Four? Did that motivate them to come back even stronger? Already they're out to the controversial number one, number two spot because they were originally number one in the rankings, and then it was revealed that Detroit Edison was accidentally an honorable mention, so now they're number two. But it's worth arguing. Are they better? What do you guys think? I don't think they're any worse for, for sure. I mean, you know, Rebecca Crosby was good. In, in center, at center last year, but, but Austin Deweese has started. Deweese, I mean, yeah, I mean, filling that role she's, fine. You know, she just has so much length to her. I mean, she's you know legit six two, and and she just, has touch. She's she's she can shoot the basketball. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and athletic. Um, you know, she's got that volleyball that volleyball skill, and you know they've got Bowman back, obviously. So I just this, feel like she's stepped it up. Yeah, well, she's, I think this year was the year. This, this was going to be her her year to, to you know to just kind of turn the team over to her. I mean, I know Matt Shalek usually doesn't want necessarily one girl doing all the scoring. But he she's wants not. It, he wants she's it split not. up. No, he's not. I know. No, I know. But, I, mean, but I think she can when she wants to. Of course. And that's, mm-hmm. what, that's kind of what You noticed wants. that in the Glen Lake game when I was there. Um, yeah, she was getting some buckets early on when they needed them, and that was part mm-hmm. of well, keeping them in the thick things on the road. Well, that's also what, like, Shalek said to me after that Manton game is, there's been several, if not more than that, games this year that Brittany Bowman hasn't scored the most points, but she's been the best player on the floor. With her playmaking, with I mean, she's only what five foot seven, maybe, uh, no. five, even shorter. She's at five two. Yeah, and she she's jumping. She's <laughs> five might, four. That might be a little excessive. But okay, but I mean, if, if, we're, if we're talking about if we're talking about the roster where they give everybody a few inches, she's probably listed at like five seven. But either way, yeah, what's her she NBA can, height? She can jump. She can jump like she's a six footer. Uh, she rebounds just like with the, with the best of them. So yeah, I mean, having she's an outside hitter in volleyball. Yeah, I mean, just having her yeah. around, and she ju- does hurdles and track like. Yeah. And she can jump. Um, after that Manton game, Manton on Friday, I believe they put up 77 points. So it's not. Yeah, they're yeah, a good team. They're a good team. It, I just think that Kingsley is a 
kind of a head or a cut above um, these other teams, especially out there in the Northwest. The defense uh, of them stands out to me, too. Their depth and their defense. And they're, they're, they're grinding it out. They are in your face every possession. Uh, I mean, you have got to be really in sync to, to knock them off. And then you've also got you've got J.C. King, uh, yeah. who on a lot of teams would be somebody that well, you can just rely on And she's for a career over-1,000 point scorer, isn't she? But on that team, I mean, you know, you don't have a lot of people averaging and more than j- 10 The thing I like game, about J.C.'s game is she's very unselfish. She has the ability to take over games, but she almost she looks for that other player. She makes the aggressive plays, uh, but at the same time, she's trying to get, you know, the Marie Pearsons, the, the Renos, the... Um, Maddie Baez. Yep, Maddie Baez. Who's the other girl? It's Jane Dunlop. Then, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're so deep. I can't remember all of them. That's what I wanted to bring up too. Is they're depth. all in the highlights every yeah. week. So mm-hmm. Kingsley has the depth that a lot of the other teams around here don't have. I mean, a, a lot of the schools are struggling to get nine girls on their varsity team and trying to fill the junior varsity as well. So everybody's getting playing time. But Kingsley's got eleven girls, nine of which can could probably start at a lot of other schools. Uh, so they have the depth in order to make this work. And we've already seen them kind of beat up on everybody in their first go-around through the Northwest Conference. So I think the second half of the season, you're only going to see them get better as long as uh, everybody can stay healthy. Yeah, and I think and Matt like likes it that way with the depth. I mean, they had two players last year who were on their bench who are going to play college basketball. I mean, Lindsey Boyajan mm-hmm. last year yep. was a backup guard for them, um, in part because of hurting her knee and, and coming back from that. But she's playing Division Three basketball this year. And Marie Pearson was not a starter last year, and she's already committed to play Division Three basketball as well. Marie Pearson's another one in that that can that can lead them in scoring in any oh, yeah. particular. Oh no, I mean, they... if, if people haven't seen Kingsley play, I think the most logical uh, similar player around here that they may recognize is is uh, Marie Pearson's game. I think is a lot like Jennifer Lacrosse's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, where she can do a little bit of everything. Well, I think anybody who saw last year's team. And in now even seeing this year's team, would say Jalen Brumfield, you know, what was the leader of that team last year and the heart and soul. And you saw it in that semifinal, she kind of gave them a little extra edge when they needed it. Um, but one thing's for certain, they're not missing her as much as maybe some of us thought they would. Yeah, and she's playing meaningful meaningful at minutes Ferris at State. Ferris as a freshman. Mm-hmm. She's like well, the, that doesn't surprise their, me at she's all. She's their sixth man basically yeah. as a freshman, and averaging I don't know five or six points a game. I mean, that was when I did the preseason preview with them. I kind of asked them, like, hey, you know, you're missing a Brumfield. What, what does that do? How do you fill that void? And, you know, it, as, as they should, they say, you know, what? we'll find those people. We'll get those. We know we got a job to do. We'll, we'll do what we have to do to make it seem like Jalen's style of play is still here. And uh, They've done look, a pretty good job. Yeah, you can't really see much of a difference. That's why I think this is a worthy topic to discuss. Yeah, I mean, you wanted to talk about, you know, our, our state rankings – legitimate or necessary. We kind of had this talk last week, too, when, you know, but talking about Brett, you know, Brett voted in the girls' poll uh, for the first rankings, and even though, uh, you know, we know how good Kingsley is, you know, we haven't seen everybody throughout the state, so the first rankings are kind of, you know, kind of wishy-washy. You can't really put all your, you know, faith in them. Because yeah, yeah, I don't see how the rankings are realistically done, because all of you guys vote, and I have respect for all of your opinions, but you guys aren't all watching everybody yeah, else. It's, it's more about communication between, you know, mm-hmm. regions and areas where we'll talk to each other and, you know, we can kind of talk it out. But either way, the first rankings of the year, I mean, we're sitting here still talking about is Kingsley better than last year or are these teams going to be able to step it up? So, like, we're still trying to shake out our rankings. You know, we're doing our power rankings here. So I think the early season state rankings – I don't think they really hold much weight, and I don't. I don't know that teams really put that much into. Oh, them. I guarantee you, they don't. Besides 
seeing maybe, hey, they're really high up, yeah. and that's that's a, a nice reward for the hard work they put in so far. I think I think the rankings are more a detriment to the opponents than they are to the people who are ranked because you teams might just use that as a little bit more of an intimidation factor. Or, I mean, it could be bulletin board material, too. So that's one of those things where it's like, oh, we're going to go play the number two ranked team. You guys better have your heads on. I just don't think they hold much weight right now. They're definitely legit because they give you an idea of who should be up there because, you know, I do, once again, respect the opinion of the people who I know who are watching basketball around the state. But it just, I feel like you can't, you can't put your stock into it until late February. Once we get 20 or 25 games in, Right towards the end of the year, there is when you'll know. I argue. Yeah, I think I think they get locked in a lot more. I think the the rankings are more accurate as you go along. Like, mm-hmm. like two, three weeks in, you know, probably three weeks in. I think. Yeah, that's then, probably where it then starts. Then they're probably, I think, is probably about as accurate as they're going to get, and then they hone in. And they kind of plateau. They kind of plateau after that point uh, too. I mean, and you know, if people want to know how the sausage is made, I guess you know, uh, basically. Do it, have, James. Basically, we have like a long email thread. Yeah. Between what forty? Between. 50? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's and they're least, all newspaper 30, writers. Yeah. At least 30 newspaper They never ask me. They reporters. don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's at least 30 newspaper reporters around the state, you know, and, and we, you know, we send out an email in this in this chain and kind of say what what teams are good from our area and maybe where we where we think maybe they make a case for them. Yeah. yeah, and maybe where we think they're going to rank, you know, like somebody says, you know, okay, well, Grand Rapids Forest Hill Central is 12 and 0, you know, and I would maybe put them between 5 and 10. Yeah. You can't take that into and, a, an account when you, you put your votes in. You take it into account because these people have obviously seen these people play. And, you know, we've, te- we've seen the teams play that we put out there in, in that. And uh, so, you know, so part of it is uh, taking the faith of uh, us, some, some, other, some other people in the media. And, yeah. Well, and that's you know, what it is. It's an Associated Press media poll. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a coach's yep. poll nope. or any, any official thing through the schools. It's all through the media. And I think that's why I brought up this topic as well is it's all kind of fun for people like us and the fans of those communities to get excited. Hey, the state, the expert minds think we're worthy of being one of the top ranked teams in the state for our division. And that's pretty cool. I know teams in my coverage area are at the top of the division four poll and now Brimley and the UP and Pelston are both in our coverage area and they're one, two right now. And that's probably got a lot of people excited for basketball in those communities knowing that uh, you voters are thinking so highly of them. Having said that, I don't know how legitimate these polls will hold up even in the tournament time, and that's what I think the teams say themselves. They're excited to get the recognition, but they know. I, I know um, Coach Zimmerman, the old Frankfurt baseball coach, told me every time when I asked him about being number one, he was like, yeah, you know, that's just what people think on paper. you got to actually get it in the tournament and win some games for that to have any kind of legitimacy. For a throwback story on my account, junior year cross country, we thought we were going to have the worst season because we lost a bunch of seniors. It was all juniors and one sophomore. We won one fluke tournament, and the state rankings pegged us third in the entire – we hadn't been third with an all-state runner on our team the previous two years, and we were suddenly third – because of one random invitational. So I don't know how that all came about. I don't know if our coach like lobbied for us to get ranked that high. Where did we finish in the state finals that, that year? 12th. Just a little bit farther away than the actual number. We do appreciate the record. I remember we were really excited to practice that day that we saw we were ranked that well, high. Well, still ain't that bad. It's not, but... <laughs> the cross-country a- rankings, though, are computer are done by computer rankings from oh from so that was bcs bcs did my cross country okay <laughs> cool so. yeah why wasn't i in the national title game then so it's fun you know it's great banter for us i think the fans can have fun with i run them every tuesday for good reason it gives teams exposure and lets them know hey these are the teams to look out for and, and the experts but at the end of the day i think every team to a man or woman will tell you uh you know they're just 
it's just on paper what we got to do. We got to prove to ourselves out there in the in the game atmospheres. Yeah, in the end, what matters is what the scoreboard says at the end of the game, mm-hmm. um, right? Not you know what some polls. Let's think says. about UMBC. But it's just a poll. Polls are not perfect. UMBC sixteen beating one, baby. All that matters. Well, and today's or Monday's college basketball polls, Michigan State, you figure would have moved up a couple spots after after teams fell. Nope, they're still six. So, (laughs) however that gets computed, Virginia loses and they move up. (laughs) Yeah. One last thing before we get to the pulse is uh, we have some all name team addendums. Since since that was something we did the the last time I did this, we were looking up when we were talking about the the story on Travis Shuba that Brett did this weekend. We were talking about how all three of the Traverse City basketball coaches were fairly young, so we started looking up to see how, how young they were. And uh, so when we looked up Sanders Fry's name, we found out what his full name is, and it is Sanders Admiral Fry the Fourth, which is amazing. Yeah, it, he, well, he and, was already my, my coach for my all-name team. That's who I'd picked before I knew of the Admiral. Before the Admiral, yeah. but, but we did get the roots. We actually talked to him. What did you do? I, I asked him, well, I we asked him to about find it. out. Next I mean, time I talked to him on the phone, I asked him about it. Your middle name's Admiral. We gotta find out. And it's Civil War roots, right, James? Yeah, he said he said there's a he has an ancestor in his in his family who was an admiral during the Civil War. He wasn't sure with which side <laughs> he was on. Hopefully. I'm not sure if he wanted to dig in that or not. Because we should There's get a, him in touch with Captain game. Andrew Luck on Twitter. Right. Dearest mother. I would follow them into battle. The Titans are going into battle this week. <laughs> and then this comes up in the uh, in the interview, which, but uh, there's a wrestler from Batoski who is one of the few people who has been able to beat Hunter Derry this season, whose name is Rippin Vining. That's definitely a top-round pick. That is that is. I don't know out, if it's as good as Jeep DeMoose. Rippin Vining's pretty good. That's but like, they're up in the same yeah. area there in Emmett County. I mean, County. that's like, the same area. I, I just think of, uh, what's his name, Tarzan, like... Swing on some on some vines, ripping vines. Yeah, it's like shredding no, or ripping vining. Well, that's Tarzan doing it, you know. I think a Rip Torn, that actor. My sister and I saw his name in the credits for Men in Black. We're like, there's a guy out there named Rip Torn. All right, up next is the Pulse, sponsored by Jimmy John's, with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. So the Pulse, you know, Brett did a column on this last weekend um, about uh, having a shot clock in high school basketball. And uh, I just want to have a little bit of discussion about it, see what your guys' opinions are. Uh, do you think this is, is necessary or feasible? I don't think it's necessary. I think it's feasible because anything's possible for he who believes. Mark 923 over there. But uh, I, don't, I don't see how it could actually help a lot of the games because forcing the action in a high school game could lead to a worse product in general, if you ask me. I do sometimes wish there would be, but those are just in the rare situations where you – see somebody dribbling out the clock or it really is nothing you know no action going on is when you just get when you get kind of annoyed with you i wish it was a 35 second or 25 second shot clock whatever we would make it but uh i feel like forcing the action in a high school game like that could lead to a worse product on the floor and would yeah i would push the push the pace move things along a little faster but when when you see some of the the younger players or even, you know, up into the varsity level who, you know, say say they're trying to trying to work through their offense, trying to, you know, make their plays. Putting the time limit on them is not always going to be the best. I mean, and even something as much as 35 seconds, I mean, that's a long time for a shot clock. Might as well not have it at that point. I mean, I, I, wish, they, I wish there was a way to kind of find a, a middle ground, but I just don't think in high school basketball, I don't think it would improve the game at all, if that makes sense. So I don't think it, it would need to be necessary to add it, because I don't think it would do anything for high school basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you pretty much anybody you would ask them if they watch basketball, the one thing they don't like is when teams play 
extreme slowdown when they get ahead by 10 points and then just pass the ball around the outside. If that's the only thing you're trying to combat, is it worth it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe you could call, do something with, like, a delay a game or something. Like, but they have your five seconds, you know, all that. I mean, without major changes, I don't see how they could implement it into high school basketball and have it do anything to in, improve the Maybe only have the it in the fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, that, that, but then it's just Then you, if you want to play slowdown, you could play it for three quarters. You um, better have your lead. It's not a bad idea, but has anything like that ever been done in right. certified basketball? It, it's so. not a bad idea, but I, I don't see how you couldn't. You'd have to do it the entire game or no game at all. And besides the fact that obviously Jake's hammering home the key point that uh, the average high school team it probably isn't comfortable enough to be rushed in that situation to get a shot. I'm more thinking of too the secondary attempts when a team's first. Uh, play lines up and falls through. You know, college teams they they can quickly rebound and adjust and get a second attempt off. I, I think the average high school team is not gonna be comfortable in that situation. Quickly readjusting what they got to do based on the defense that's in front of them. So besides the fact that the average team probably isn't ready for that shot clock, I mean I've spoken to a couple athletic directors since the column came out, and, and they're all saying, well, okay, it's one thing to say we need a shot clock. It's another thing to actually institute it and get it set up and get the people to run it and get it maintained, like. As far as another finance for high schools go, you know, they're kind of scratching and clawing for the money they can put towards the product right now, and that's another that's another person you got to have running the <laughs> shot clock. They're scrapping and clawing to make sure they have better jerseys each year, let alone a shot clock. Uh, yeah, there, there's basically just there are more important things to finance for high school games on an average night than a shot clock. Um, yeah, because there's the fiscal, you know. It, it's going to cost money. It's going to cost money. It's an extra part scoreboard. of the scoreboard. It's an extra yeah. operator just to keep an eye on that. That's what, and that's what, that's what most people disregard. They'll just think, oh, it can just happen, and we, everybody will have it. Well, and I didn't really think about that until a few of them pointed that out to me. Like, oh, yeah, that isn't just a simple add that, and then you're good. No, it's there's, yeah, it's there's gonna, a lot that's going to – and that's going to affect how the refs play the game. The, and, that's, a whole, that's an entire new rule. That's, I mean, a yeah, whole new thing people got to watch out for. It's – it's already hard enough to get if it's high happening, referees, and you're going to throw that much more. Yeah, on if it's happening, it's a long too. ways away, a lot longer than reseeding, which was your other, your guys' other hot topic from a week ago. Yeah, well, and you've already got schools too, you know, in in football adding the play clock. Yeah. So you've got that other expense where teams are trying to get that added. You got with the pitch count, you've got a lot of schools now trying to update their baseball scoreboards to include that. I've seen several. I've seen several schools around here that have that, like Boyne City. They have the pitch count displayed on the on the scoreboard, you know, and that's just one more cost you're throwing. Like up. in a perfect world, I wish rules could just yeah. for 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 all sports, for basketball, for football. I I really wish there could just be a universal set of rules across states, levels, everything, so that way there wouldn't be these types of discussions where mm-hmm. you know the the universal rule of basketball is that there's a 24 second shot clock. It doesn't matter if you're in pro, if you're in college, if you're in high school. Like that's just how basketball is played. I do wish that was a thing, but that obviously will never, ever, ever happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for good reason. Yeah, because so, the, the, the level of competition is just not the same. Yeah, I'm not completely opposed to it, but I think it would also change the game a lot. Yeah. I mean, you would see, I think, even more teams starting to press because then they're like, okay, well, if we only have 20, if the opponent only has 20 25 or 30, or 30 seconds yeah. or whatever, we can make them waste 10 of that by just trying to beat a press. Yeah. And Let's be realistic. They're not going to have an NBA shot clock to start. They're at the at the seconds. fastest. It's going to be thirty, but it's probably going to be more like, like thirty-five, 40. forty. Yeah. yeah, they're going to have time. But, and you but that's have... still something that all those teams and coaches have to plan for. That's just not a simple overnight fix. Well, I mean, we, and you just got to think like, and we, we could probably even leave it like 
a 40-second shot clock, most of the time teams aren't taking 40 seconds to shoot. Like, on average, it is not that long of a possession. Like we said, the only time that they're trying to really combat this is in the long run. But when run. you factor that in that they have to do that, yes. that's where the issues can yeah. come about. All right, we'll move on to our interview. Traverse City West wrestlers Hunter Derry and Damian Ballin. Brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's freak yeah. We've got Traverse City West standout wrestlers. Uh, well, at least two of your guys standouts. I mean, you guys have a pretty good team this year. Yeah, oh, yeah. Zach and a whole bunch of other guys on the team, too. Um, but we've got uh, Hunter Derry and Damian Ballin in the in studio today. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. You guys have a combined record of 64 and 8 this Jeez. season. <laughs> Both of you guys went a long time before you got your first match this season, right? Too? Yeah. You won like 23, I think, to start the season. 23 was, in a row? It was like 20. I thought it was 20. Or something. Some, it, was something. it was up there. I think. I was looking at track wrestling. Yeah. Maybe some of those are out of order or something yeah, like track that. Track wrestling is kind of. It's like not all refreshed. Yeah. yeah. And they had, they had you for twenty three in a row, and you started with fifteen, I mm-hmm. think, in a row or something like that. I think so. Yeah. Uh, just talk a little bit about the season and and how how good of a season TC West has been having this season, kind of you guys, and then as a whole. This season was really hard to predict, I guess, because we we lost a lot of guys coming into the season. It was really hard to figure out who was going to be where and what was going to happen. Even with the missing weights we have, we're able to still go out there and win most of the matches we have as a team, and a lot of people are stepping up. Yeah, it was pretty surprising. Like At the beginning, we lost like our heavy, like our almost our heavyweight. We lost our 55, I think, mm-hmm. and then our 152. So it was like we took all our like other guys and put them in. It was just like, I don't know, it was just kind of risky. And like, we came out pretty strong for most of the teams, mm-hmm. and just kind of surprised everyone. Hunter, so two of your losses are the same guy, mm-hmm. the guy from Chippewa Hills. Yeah. Um, so you probably won't see him in the postseason because you guys are in different divisions. No. But uh, but you'll probably get another shot, I would think, at the guy from Petoskey. Yeah. How, mu- how much do you look back at your old matches, maybe watch them on video, and kind of critique your, your performance and say, next time I see this guy, this is what I need to do? When I look at my matches, I kind of just look at them, and I don't know, it's hard It's hard to pick out exactly what you're doing wrong. It, that's, it's always best to watch them with other people, because it's a lot easier to pick out what other people are doing wrong, I think. So if I'm watching something with Damien, he can help me, like, show me what I'm doing wrong and what I can do to beat that kid next. But mm-hmm. does, does the Petoskey kid have the coolest name of any kid you've wrestled this year? What was, what was his name again? Rippin' Vining. That, yeah, oh. that's a definitely a good one, yeah. <laughs> that is a pretty good one. Now, uh, but when, you're, when you go into a match, obviously, I've talked to a lot of wrestlers, and most people say, you know, the cutting weight or gaining weight and getting between weight classes, that isn't the hardest thing. It's really about being mentally prepared. It's all about, your, you know, it's like 90-10, something like that. I mean, what would you guys say is the balance between mental and physical in wrestling, and how much do you put into your, you know, your mental preparedness before uh, any given match? It's kind of like within the couple for within the first couple of years of wrestling, 
you know whether or not you're going to be able to handle it or not, I guess. Just because, I don't know, it's something if you want to be really good at, you're going to have to put a lot of time and effort into it and hard work, and it's a lot of people aren't willing to do it, I guess. What are your guys' uh, pre-match routines? Do you have any superstitions or things that you always have to do? I know when I was in high school, we didn't have the MP3 players and stuff, but... Uh, <laughs> I used to always uh, chug some honey right before a match so that I'd oh, have a yeah, sugar rush. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, usually I'll just like put my headphones on and just pace back and forth, just telling myself I'm going to win. And like I have to do what I have to do to get this match done. Well, before my matches, I kind of just like to stay loose and calm, so... I'm like I always like I'm warming up, but I'm also like talking to my teammates and stuff at the same time. And you don't have like a pump up routine or anything. No, you guys don't have certain get certain songs you listen to or anything get you pumped up. No, I don't. I don't listen to too much music before my matches. No, <laughs> no, I. It's always different. I'm, it's usually just any kind of like rap music just to get me hyped up. Okay. Uh, so, what are the what do you think are the most misunderstood aspects of wrestling? Because you know you get even in your own school I think you know when I was in school people just didn't know all that much about wrestling and stuff like that. what do you, what do you see as the most misunderstood things or that people say to you about wrestling that you're just like well that's not really how it is people like they'll come up to you and you're like cutting weight or something they'll be like why don't you just go up a weight class and it's just like you know like everyone is cutting even just that little amount, like a little amount just to get down to mm -hmm. get like to the same size of people you are and it's like, if you go up a weight class, you're going to a weight class that people are cutting down to. So you're getting a lot bigger kids. It's just, your percentage of just, like, winning is, I mean, it, it can still be the same, but, like, I feel like you just feel like you have a better chance. Yeah, I mean, you could be wrestling somebody who's probably stronger. Or, yeah. you know, I mean, just because they're 10 mm -hmm. pounds heavier. Exactly. Usually than you. A lot of people don't understand the whole weight cutting thing like they'll tell you to drink a lot of water and stuff it's all about how you eat when you know you put everything in your body and stuff and so what are your guys most uh drastic things that you've had to do to make weight oh boy um probably like uh i had to work out in the morning and then like run right after lunch probably like even during it like when everyone's eating you're just kind of like walking by everyone in the cafeteria and you're just like, just want to eat something real quick. And like, you work out right at, like before wrestling and then you're just like, kind of like tired just from doing all that. And then you do a whole two hour practice. And then you, you're like point one, point two over and you just have to work out again. It's just kind of all mental. Mm. I think the most I've, the most drastic thing I've done is like constantly working out, trying to sweat off more weight and at the same time, not eating as much as I'm used to. I don't cut as much as I used to just because I like to have a, more energy, you know, when I'm practicing and in my matches and stuff. I, f I feel like cutting is important, but at the same time, if I'm cutting too much, I feel like it's also hurting me at the same time. Mm -hmm. What's the whole, uh, when do they have you weigh in now? Is it right before the matches? I mean, back when I wrestled, but that was like, oh, um, that was like late 80s. Yeah, so um, now we can, now we weigh in the night before. Because, you know, everybody knows that everybody's cutting weight. So if everybody's weighing in right before, then, you know, a lot of people are going to be super tired and stuff. And I don't know. I think it's good that people get to weigh in the night before and get to, you know, get their 
energy back and everything. So after you guys weigh in, do you have like a, a nice cheat meal, a good gorge right before the match, or you guys still stay healthy and try to keep yourself light on your feet? Of course, just a little. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you want to like almost stay on your like diet because it really screws with your stomach. Like, just like changing your diet that quick. So usually it's just try to stay the same, just maybe a little over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a little extra <laughs> food, yeah. Just kind of <laughs> double up on the portion just to make sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, for sure. So when I wrestled, you had to weigh in like right before the match, essentially. Like mm-hmm. if you were going on the road to some other school, you would get on the bus and you would go to their school and you would have to weigh in on their scales mm-hmm. at yeah. their school and then you would have the match maybe an hour later. Mm-hmm. So, then, so you had some time to get some food in your, yeah. in your belly. Same thing. Is it the same thing with tournaments now? Do you wrestle, do you weigh in the night before tournaments or the, the morning of? Yeah, we weigh in the night before, except for the postseason. All the postseason stuff is when you weigh in an hour before. That way they can make sure that people aren't cheating at all for making weight for, you know, states and everything. Mm-hmm. We used to weigh in. We'd, we'd get to school, like on a Saturday morning when we were going to a tournament. Our coach would make us weigh ourselves there to see if you were at weight or not. And then he would usually want you to be a little bit under in case their mm-hmm. scales are a little off. So you knew you had like an hour bus ride or something like that. If you needed to lose some weight, you could just do the old uh, spitting in a bottle <laughs> with yeah. lemon drops. You guys, you guys are relatively close in weight, so I'm sure you guys wrestle each other at practice uh, quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you are wrestling up a weight class, or if you have to do that for a match, say somebody's sick and when you guys did have to go out, instead of cutting, having to go up, I mean, what type of challenge is that even in practice, or if you had to step up for your team in a match, do you try and get away from the sheer power and make sure that it's all technique, or h- how do you kind of approach that style when you have to go up a weight class? Obviously, they're going to be a lot bigger and stuff. you got to think about the way, like... I guess, yeah, you got to change the way you wrestle, but at the same time, if you change the way you wrestle too much, then you're not going to be wrestling like yourself, and it's just going to be a completely different match, and so you got to go out there and you got to wrestle. Uh, it, it's Yeah, it's always harder, but like even people that my same size, I can have somebody that's tall and not so strong, and then I can have somebody that's short and, you know, really strong, so, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's really just all about the technique, I feel like, because... You could be super strong and just like have no clue what you're doing and just try muscling the kid around but like if he's just all technique it's so hard but yeah uh, strength strength is always helpful though yeah. too. okay i got a whole bunch of questions written down for you guys we may not even be able to get to them all but uh, uh what is the most painful move you've been put in the the headlocks one of them because they're, they're just squeezing you know they're squeezing your head and you're just trying to stay in not get pinned the whole time so that one's just a lot of pain over time. And then the banana splits one. That one. That one hurts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, it's hard to explain. You put the leg in, you grab the other leg, and you kind of just pull apart. Well, I've been, I've been, yeah. my, first, my first match on varsity when I was in high school, I got put in the guillotine by the defending state champion. <laughs> for the For, like, a whole period, like, right off the bat. <laughs> In the video, and he held me that in that for pretty much the whole period. But I didn't get pinned. That's so. okay. I think one of the most probably like hurtful ones I put in was uh, Sploidal. And it's it's probably like the same thing. Yeah, it's just, similar to the banana split, just like standard version, I guess. Do you guys like professional wrestling? Do you like, like do you guys watch that or follow it? Of course. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I used to watch it a lot, but not not as much anymore. Just because I guess I, I don't know. I guess I like me doing it. 
myself. <laughs> I mean, the Royal Rumble's on Sunday, isn't it? Harrison's having a party. Yeah, right? So what, what is something uh, during a match that you do to try to throw off your opponent? Just get in their head. You take them down, let them up, and it really just gets to them once you start racking up points. I feel like they just like, kind of know after a while. It's like, it's kind of over. Like, this kid's just that much better than me. The one thing I noticed one of your teammates do in the match against Central that I used to do is that um, when I was on top, I would switch sides because I was yeah. left-handed. So I could just do it pretty easy. And then nobody practices their switch out going the other way. They all, they all just practice going the one way. And they're like, oh, now what do I do? Yeah. And you can almost see it in their eyes, mm -hmm. even though you can't see their eyes from where you're starting. Yeah, and if, if, if you can just keep, like, stopping what they try to do, that can get in their head a lot, you know, tell them that they can't take you down or they can't put you on your back or something if you can keep stopping them over and over again. Do you guys ever hear the crowd or your coaches during a match? Of course. We always have to. Our coach really loves when we like look over during the match. Like mm -hmm. if we don't know we're like we're in a situation, it's just like I don't even know what to do right now. He really loves when we like look over and like he really helps us because I guess it's like a bit like a, a bigger situation he can figure out because like he's just kind of on the outside surrounding it. He just sees like a wider view of the situation. How about the crowd? When I was out there, I never heard anybody in the crowd. Yeah, because I'm always just focused on the match, and everybody's like. A, I was yelling at, yelling for you to do this during the match. And I'm like, I do not hear that at all. Yeah, totally a lot of the time I kind of just, I'm zoning pretty much everything out. I mean, sometimes it's even including my coaches, but I don't know, I guess you can't really help it. You just go out and wrestle and then listen to your coaches when you can. And you just get really focused. Honestly, I'm sure you get an earful after the match after you're not listening. You're like, well, I told you to do the reversal right there. You're like, I was... I was busy, okay? I was busy wrestling, not listening, yeah. all right? Down backs all day, the yeah. next day. <laughs> so I asked Coach Nyland a couple questions to ask you guys. Damien, how many times during each practice do you fix your hair? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, it's a decent amount. Sometimes I don't really notice. And, like, I even last year before States, it was, like, the practice before. And um, I was jump roping. And like in the middle of the jump rope, I just <laughs> fixed it real quick and <laughs> kept going. I don't know. It's just a habit. I just hate when my hair falls in my face. Hunter, he said, he said to, uh, to tell the story behind McDonald's Chicken McNuggets at the state finals. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so. Even though we're sponsored by Jimmy John's. Yeah. So the veto is obviously superior to Chicken McNuggets. Yes, but, but continue. Okay, so well, while we were at state, um. This is with Rusty and uh, Damien, Nate, or was Nate there? No, it wasn't. No, he was This was two years ago. Okay, so this is when we had Coach Cruz still on. He was waiting out in the car, and because he thought, you know, McDonald's is going to be quick and easy. We're, so we go in, and I go up to the counter and order my nuggets, and she's asking me, you want some sauce in the nuggets, honey? And I didn't realize really <laughs> what she was saying. You know, I didn't. it didn't hit me, and... I turn around and Rusty's just laughing, all of them are laughing, and and so we're standing there talking a few minutes by, and somebody else comes, and they order some nuggets, and she says the same thing, and I, we all just started kind of laughing together. It was <laughs> pretty funny. It took us about 30 minutes to get in and out of there. We, <laughs> Coach Crew was pretty mad just waiting in the car. <laughs> Everybody probably ordered 150 nuggets. Is that, was, that, was that your post-weigh-in uh, post meal? 
pretty pretty much. I think that was um after uh me and the other guys other than Jacob Rose out of the tournament. Okay. So okay. at that point we can see whatever we want. <laughs> okay, I got one more question before we do the the freaky fast five. Uh, so what's the weirdest thing that you've seen happen in a mat in someone else's match? Oh, so there was this one match we our guy Drew Danzer, he was going against this guy from I think Ludington or something and he was one of the biggest dudes I've probably seen. I mean he's just huge. It looks like he's working out almost all the time every day. And you know, we thought he was gonna go out there and whoop our guy because Drew's you know, he's not he's not huge by any means. <laughs> and he goes out there and they're wrestling and before you know it the kid's like on his back and Drew's got him pinned. And I, th I can't remember if the kid rolled on his back or if Drew was just doing his crazy stuff, but... Drew was doing his crazy stuff. I remember that match because he put Drew on his back. right. At, it was, like, right near the end of the third period, probably. Mm -hmm. And he just, he has crazy hips, so he just hit the kid over straight onto his back and, like, pinned the kid. Guy was too big to get up. Yeah. <laughs> his shoulders too broad, he couldn't roll back and forth on the map. <laughs> what are you guys' nicknames? I, I go by a lot, I go by last names a lot, I guess, mm -hmm. but not too much for nicknames. No. Yeah, it's usually just my last name. Yeah. What about the other guys on the team? Anybody have weird nicknames? Not really like weird. They're just kind of like <laughs> mean sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. always a lot of joking in between the team, I guess. Don't worry, I'm pretty sure that how it, that's just how it works. You're not a team yeah. unless you joke with each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but in the wrestling team, they called me Squirrel. Squirrel? Yeah, because, like, nobody could pin me down. Like, I wasn't a good wrestler by any means because mm -hmm. I, like, just started when I was a freshman in high school. So I had two state qualifiers and the two weights above me that I'd wrestle every day in practice, and I, they usually they couldn't pin me or anything. I, could, I was just squirrely. <laughs> so they just kept calling me Squirrel. A little wiggle worm over They beat the heck out of me in points, but they could never pin me. Okay, so then we have a thing we do with the guests that are called the Freaky mm -hmm. Fast Five. Hey, Jimmy Johns. Uh, just ask you some quick questions and uh, just have you both answer them. Uh, favorite position to start a period, top, bottom, or neutral? Bottom. Uh, bottom. Proper toilet paper roll placement, top or bottom? Top. <laughs> top. top. I'm glad you guys both top. said top. <laughs> I actually yelled at Harrison for that this weekend. I went to his house and it was rolled on the bottom and I flipped it and I said, which one of you heathens put this on here? <laughs> yeah, that's, just, that's just sacrilege. Uh, favorite music to play in the wrestling room? Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, that depends, because... Our coach doesn't yeah. like rap or any like, <laughs> new music, so it's just kind of nope. like the old classic kind of music. Some good old classic rock. He's listening to, like, Boston or Led Zeppelin. Some ACDC yeah. or something. Little, yeah, a little Some more, exactly. Or a little newer, like, Metallica or something. It's all of that in yeah. between. A little bit of all of it, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, so what's your guys' routine in between matches at tournament? Because sometimes you'll have an hour or two in between in between matches. What do you guys, what's your favorite stuff to do? Mine was sleep, but yeah, <laughs> I like sleeping was like mo like probably the most of it, and just trying to like hydrate, get ready for the next match. Yeah, I just I w after all my matches, I always go get something to drink, get something to eat, and then hang out with my teammates, watch them wrestle, just keep my ears open, make sure I'm ready for my next one. What's your favorite nickname for basketball players? Nancy's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of nicknames for it. 
I can't even think of any of them. <laughs> we we call mean, them pumpkin pushers. Pumpkin pushers. That's definitely a good one. <laughs> they had a term for us, too, and I can't remember what it was. The, oh, the nickname that we used to give people in practice that was something that you would give to anybody who was slacking that day was Daryl. Daryl? Yeah, short for derelict. So. <laughs> is, that, is, that kind of a, is that still a kind of, kind of a rivalry yeah. between basketball players and the wrestlers? Of course. Well, thank you guys for coming in. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah no you problem. guys have been having a great season fun. so far. Everybody else on the on the team too has been. Uh, you guys have been killing it on a pretty regular basis this season. So uh, good luck the rest of the season, and you know, good luck at states. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. to the power rankings. So we're going to do boys and girls basketball, hockey. We'll start off with Harrison. Give I, us your I hockey drew picks. hockey, yes. Um, Let's do that hockey. <laughs> let me let me do that hockey. Uh, oh, yeah, that's what I had. Okay, that's so... A, that's t- a no. <laughs> that's an S, a K, and a J. Um, yeah, I, I noticed over the weekend in your guys' article, actually, uh, Travis City West pulling a pretty big win over Gaylord, a Gaylord team that's... Uh, Beating Alpina had some pretty good wins the past few weeks, so for the Titans alone to build that momentum and get a win like that, five nothing, correct? Five to nothing. Herzberg yeah. got the shutout. Yep, so the shutout. I'm putting the Titans in at number three in this week's power rankings, getting a nice little momentum shift. Maybe maybe get them uh, make it an interesting matchup now as they face TC Central next week in that rematch. Uh, number two, I'm sticking with Petoskey because even with a loss on Saturday to Canton, I believe, they still had a ton of impressive blowout wins over teams last week. Uh, I think Petoskey is still kind of your, your top contender at the moment for Alpina whenever those two play again. Um, and number one, I- until they can be uh, soundly defeated, I think the Bay Reps hold on to the top spot. Uh, they're just having a, a phenomenal season there for, for all those schools combined. and uh, So they're my number one spot. Jake, girls basketball. Got some girls basketball. We're starting down at five. Just keeping the same spot as last week in James's uh, power rankings for the girls basketball, we're going to stick with Gaylord St. Mary down at number five. But sneaking into our power rankings for the first time would be the Cadillac Vikings. They've uh, they've shown pretty well this season. Number three is going to be the Manton Rangers. They did take that loss to Kingsley at the beginning of last week, but as we mentioned, turned around, dropped, I believe, almost 80 points on Friday. So, you know, they took their lump, but I still think that they have – Plenty of talent, or one of the better teams in the area. Uh, Glen Lake at number two also lost to Kingsley last week, but I think that just kind of sets you up for who we know as number one. We talked to him at the top of the show in Kingsley Girls Basketball. I think is the best team in Northern Michigan as of right now. So they, I believe, for the third week in a row, are going to hold on to the top spot of our power rankings. Reps too, right? Yeah, the reps. So, have been, the reps and Kingsley have both uh, held tight on that. Man, top if they spot. could play each other in something, it'd be great. <laughs> I think it's kind of the same in boys basketball. I think we've had the same number one. Yeah, and then like the out. whole yeah. year. So we'll see. But if we're going to start out with number five. I have uh, for the first time this season in the power rankings. I have Manton. Uh, they've won seven straight games um, after an zero and three start against a lot bigger schools than them. I mean, their first three games were all against like Class A type schools. You know, they're Class C, so you know they they went they went played some of the big boys. Didn't get the W, but since they've been playing schools their own size, they're seven and zero. They got a big game uh, January 28th against Elk Rapids at home. 
Number four is Traverse City St. Francis. They're six and two. They are undefeated at five and zero oh in the Lake Michigan Conference. They have won four straight. They're only kind of like Manton. Their only losses have been Division One teams, and, and both of those Division One losses they had too were pretty close games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, single digit games there. Uh, number three is Elk Rapids. They're, there uh, they are, seven and two, four and zero oh in the uh, Lake Michigan Conference. They've won five straight. Their only losses are to Glen Lake and another bigger school than them, uh, Petoskey. Uh, they have a big game against St. Francis on the 25th. Number two checking in is Traverse City Central. They're 7-4. and four. They knocked Alpena out of first place in the Big North Conference with a five-point home win on Friday. They've won five straight. And their, their, their three non-conference losses have come to a team with a combined 28-6 and six record. And their only loss in the league is an overtime game at Cadillac. Number one for the third week in a row, I believe. Glen Lake. Kind of like the girls where it's... It's not a matter of who number one is. It's kind of a battle to see who number two is. Uh, you know, going like 10-1, and 7-0. Just uh, rolling over teams. Played seven conference games already as we're recording this. Their closest game was 19. That was Leland. So, you know, they're, they're running away with this conference um, and the power rankings so far. And they're playing a big one on uh, Monday in the MLK showdown against Williamston, I believe. That's kind of a decent opponent for them downstate. I like your rankings. Do you guys not include Petoskey? I put an HM list together for this. And I would have Petoskey in, in my it. top five, but yeah. otherwise I, I think yours was pretty accurate. They're, they're right there in my honorable mention list along with like schools like Mancelona. Fantasy Catholic is having a very good season mm-hmm. this year. You know, Some other schools like uh, you know Frankfurt, Onekama, Brethren, Ellsworth, Joburg. There's a few you can make arguments for, especially... You know, last week, I know uh, Onekama had a couple really good wins last week. Uh, had a chance. To, I, didn't you go out and see them play? Yeah, Onekama, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. They had a, a nice win against Kingsley, you know, playing without their best player. Yeah, and that, that just showed what type of, type of depth they have. They might have a chance to move into our power rankings here in the next few weeks. Like you said, that the bottom three or four right there, uh, in between the honorable mention and the four and five, I feel like are almost interchangeable. But once again, these are the early season ones, and couple of these guys did play like three games last week, so that does help in the power rankings a little bit. And it's a subjective poll. The power rankings is how have you, you know, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, not, not that's your what entire I mean. Body that's what work. I was saying is a couple of these, a couple of these teams, they, they, they won three games last week, so they needed it. They needed this little bump. The get around bump. Isn't that your <laughs> trademark? Not mine, but close enough. I thought it was yours. <laughs> Mine is, that was a, that no, was a that's Brendan the Jake break. break. Oh. I think it was a get My trademark's the Jake break. If I write oh, a story about somebody. Oh, you hurt somebody. Yeah, if you I hurt somebody story, by interviewing I, I feature the, do a feature story on them, and then they are injured. Well, congrats on having that. We have three players coming up, being nominated for the uh, Hall of Fame, that do not necessarily need the get-around bump. We had three excellent results this week. Harrison, who are you putting up for the most exclusive club in northern Michigan? I'm going uh, TC West Bowling. Had a, a great stretch, uh, a great stretch of seasons here, and Noel Phillips set the school record and tied a conference record with a 258. For the record, the last month when we went on our holiday Christmas party, I bowled three strikes in a row in a game. That that was it. I didn't really do any other damage anywhere else. Still only got a 112 with three strikes in a row. She had nine she strikes had nine, in a row. She had nine in a row. Yeah, so she had game. nine in a row which is already unfathomable to think for the average person, uh, much less to do that in a competition where, you know, your score weighs so heavily. And this was at the conference championships. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just goofing around at your holiday Christmas party. So Noel making huge strides with that number. She was on the Jimmy John Sports Corner on 7-4 a few weeks ago, and now she's my nominee for Athlete of the Week. Well, I Jake? had a I had a 44-point score, score 
Sorry. I had a 44-point score nominated and get inducted last week with Lee Stuck when she broke the school record out in Charlevoix. But I'm gonna f- I found another 44-point performance, but this uh, time from the boys' side, Forest Area's Chase Ingersoll put up 44 points against Central Lake. I believe Central Lake only scored 53, so almost like Elise, nearly outscored the opposing team on his own, which is very impressive. Not a school record from as far as we know, but it's nonetheless just as impressive. 44 points uh, on any given night is good. All right, I'm going to put up Hunter Derry, wrestler from Traverse City West, and one of our guests this week. He, this weekend at the Midland Clash team tournament, went into that tournament needing two wins to get to 150 career victories. Got four, so he's shooting past 150, which is a pretty rarefied accomplishment. You know, 100, 100 wins is still a, a nice accomplishment, but it's something that's gotten more and more common um, as wrestlers wrestle more matches than they used to. Um, and, but just getting to 150 is something that I think only four people in Traverse City West history have done. In I was going to say, do you know the record in the state? It's over 200. Okay. Yeah. You probably said it, right? Wasn't that you? Uh, no, I think I ended up with 76 or 78 career. Not too bad. Oh, so you counted some of those after high school wrestling matches? You no, that's, high, that's my high school career. That was my varsity varsity career. I wrestled a little bit on JV as a freshman, but none of that counts. Those don't count, okay. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, nowhere near 100. I didn't sniff 100. 150-plus is nonetheless very impressive. It is very, yeah. very impressive. That's why I wanted to compare it to James' yeah. decent high school career that was <laughs> half of that. Decent. Yeah. Mildly. All right, James, Not you vote first. Ooh, this is a tough one. This is a this really, is a really the fact that the layup probably, la- or not layup, but like the winner last week was a 44-point score, and yeah. this person could easily be voted third on here. I know. It's, yeah, this is, yeah, I'm torn between the, the two the two records. I mean, you know, Hunter Derry getting 150 wins in wrestling, and Phillips getting that, that 258 for TC West bowling. I guess this, since this is a wrestling-centric episode, I'm going to go with the wrestler. I think it come unfortunately Chase great uh, scoring night for him, but it, James, you'd mentioned these records kind of just stand out to you. So I, I think it comes down to those two candidates, and then what comes down to it for me is not so much the bias of who was in to talk this week, which we do pre- appreciate you for coming in, Hunter. But uh, I'm just gonna go with the fact that yours is a career achievement as opposed to a one night thing. Not that a 258 is anything to sneeze at. That was basically my way of trying to sway you guys otherwise persuade you guys otherwise but uh i'm gonna go with hunter because it, just to pick that up and, and be a rarefied air in the sport of wrestling for a career achievement for years of hard work boy, you're in the hall of fame yeah i'm gonna take away from you for a second hunter <laughs> i thought I was, well i was gonna vote for phillips noel phillips because tying a conference record i mean you only a one night thing you can only bowl one game of your highest career game at one point, I mean, that's a career achievement if you ask me. She's been working for that score for a long time, and not only tying a conference record, but a you know, school record making her own. I think the 258 is very, very impressive. And nobody on, we don't give bowling too much love, so I'm still going to... I'm still going to vote for you, Noel. Don't worry. You got It's two to one, so it's not without a... It was a very tough decision. Not without a fight. And maybe we'll have uh, Noel on as a guest or something. We should have. We should spread our wings and get some of these other sports in there. Get a bowler, get a skier. Get some of these other sports on you. Get, get them some a, love. Get a kid who plays video games. Esports? I did that. I interviewed a guy who was like the Madden world champion once, and he was like a 15 year old kid from Petoskey. But I, I like, that was fun for me. 
Okay, so how does one get good at Madden? Because I cannot. All right, that brings us to the trifecta. Or back to the trifecta. Back kinda. to the trifecta. We're going to talk That's a little bit. That's why I talked about Madden. They try and give you a smooth transition. Yeah, I did not pick up on that at all. Totally oblivious. That's all right, man. You'll, we can't all be geniuses. No, I was going to say, you'll, you'll, you'll work your way into it. You'll pick up on things quicker and quicker. Probably not. <laughs> Probably? Probably not. Maybe. Maybe. So we had the AFC, the NFC Championship Games this weekend. We've got the Super Bowl coming up two weeks. The Lions hired Darrell Bevel as their offensive coordinator. I guess, why don't we just briefly hit on that? What the, What do you guys think? Is that a good hire? Who, who is that? that? change stuff? I yeah. don't know who that is. He was the Seattle Seahawks old offensive Oh, player. yeah, I know who that is. Um, <laughs> he, he's the one who people say made the call. Most famous for yes. the stupid call. The stupid call against the Patriots in the Super Bowl that they didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. But at least in this case, but, we're not hiring a former Patriot. We're hiring a guy who coached against the Patriots. Either way, a good hire because Jim Bob Cooter is no longer on the coaching staff. I'm just ready to see something different. I hope that it is a shock and a half to the system and that next year's Lions team looks absolutely nothing like the one that we just saw. I like it in in that it fits in with what Patricia wants, and I think P can make the Lions into the Patriots. I'm all for it. Well, I, there's, okay, but there have been plenty it. of people who have tried to do that unsuccessfully. Right, doesn't True. matter. After watching, now once again, Tom Brady go now to his ninth with Bill Belichick, there's no remaking the Patriots. But if you think about the situation that Bevel was in in Seattle years ago, having a defense-centric team where they weren't worried about putting up all these points, they were worried about methodically breaking down a defense, working the clock, you know what I'm saying, playing more, more or less winning football, not just snip-snap 35-second drives because you make three short passes and a draw play. I think it's a little bit more methodical when you see, hopefully, with a defensive-minded coach like Matt Patricia, if he can focus on the defense and have Bevel kind of work off of that with a good running game and be able to bring the games to a closer conclusion, it, not just from the beginning but towards the end of these games, I hope that it works out. But I think anything could be better than the last about two years under Jim Bob Cooter. Yeah, and well, in, and with the Seahawks, Bevel had them as a top 10 offense, I don't know, like three times out of the yeah, six or seven years. Yeah, they scored a bunch in there. the Super Bowl they won, so. Yeah, yeah they scored a whole bunch. <laughs> so they, I mean, so they weren't like uber conservative, but obviously they had a run game and, and they were and they were play action. But the one thing I like about his general philosophy or what he's, his history is, is that he uses the run and then he uses play action to take big targets down the field. And I think that would really play in, if they can successfully do that, Matthew Stafford, I think, should be able to pull that off and, and plays right into what he does. So if on Johnson is okay, we should be able to carry on okay. I don't know. You guys can have all the faith you want. I, I don't have faith. I feel like two, three years ago, Jim Bob was the the rage of the league and how brilliant he was. And I just like the name. Yeah, no. People legitimately loved what he did with no, Stafford. Right. A they couple did, years uh, ago, he was the hot name, not just because the name, that helped it stand out, but he was really popular with his play-calling ability. And then two years later, that went out the window. So... In this day and yeah, age where coordinators like are rotating faster than Adam Gase's eyes at a press conference, <laughs> like, I mean. That was hilarious, too. <laughs> well, that's the other thing that stands out to me with the it's NFL scary. is, like, how many of these guys are getting jobs now? I have no idea who they are. Like, I'm officially removed from the NFL because I ha- they call all these names as candidates for jobs that I just could not at all recognize them. It, it might as well be real estate agents as opposed to NFL coordinators. So, you guys have all the faith in the world. 
I don't know what to do with that position because I feel like you're just I, groundhog daying everything all over again. I don't have. Faith, I think part I of it hope. though. I think part of the thing t- though too is that what Patricia wants is he what he said he wants stability, so he wants to get some assistant coaches in here. They're going to stay for a while, and I think that's what you can get with Bevel is that you're going to get an offensive play caller who is has a good history, has shown that he can can do this and can do it at a high level, but also has not shown that he's a head coaching candidate and that he will leave for a head coaching job. I think he's a coordinator that if you... I would rather have somebody who's qualified. I don't care if he... I, I, I hope he's a head coaching candidate. Yeah, if you're good ra- enough, yeah. you are a head coaching yeah, candidate. I would, ra- I would rather... I, I don't want somebody just because he's, he's either not good, good and enough he's to coveted. be a head coach. I hope he's a head coaching candidate. I hope somebody tries to take him from us in five years, but he doesn't want to go because his system works so well. Well, I just don't think he just has like I think it's just, I think it's just a mentality. Some guys have that mentality that they're a really good coordinator well, of course. and not a head coach. But, I mean, I mean, just think about like, like over Rod the last three years, But, like, Josh McDaniels over the last three years, nobody can get him to leave the Patriots. And he's been probably the guy at the top of every head coaching search in the last three years. Even when Matt Patricia left the Patriots, people were talking about having Josh McDaniels be the guy. No. You, you, when you look for a guy like that, he's good enough to be there, but he doesn't want to leave. That's what I want is somebody to, good enough to leave but doesn't want to leave because they're in the right place doing the right thing. Those, those can be the same things. There's just hope. I'm not saying that Devil Bevel it. sucks and can't no, can be a coach. I think that he's just suited to be an offensive coordinator. Yeah. You know, he's like uh, North Turner. Oh, yeah. North Turner is one of those guys who is made to be an offensive coordinator and when promoted to become a head coach has not done well. But then he goes back to being an offensive coordinator, and he's great. So there's some people where you're maxing out at that spot, and you're great there, and then you try to take another step, and that's just not your thing. Yeah. Scott Linehan, Rod Marinelli, any number of guys. That any guy that's held the Lions job. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I think, so I think that's a good, a good spot for him. Well, what, do you, what are your biggest takeaways from the AFC, the NFC games? Uh, the, 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 two, the two things that everybody's talking about is overtime rules, and the pass interference, well, the not pass interference call. Uh, two things. I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll dive in on this overtime thing because there will be a column coming for me this weekend. You'll hear a little bit more about this, and I'll go a little more in depth. But actually, all the way since week three, I started writing this column, which is why now I feel it has to come out. We didn't quite know if it was going to because there wasn't too many issues. But back when the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns tied in week three, and then the week after that there was another tie, I was sitting around thinking, like, this needs to change. And now that we're into the NFC and AFC championship games and we're running into the same type of issues, I just, I can't see how they keep it the same. I mean, they're going to because they're just not going to do radical things. But, you know, I think it is criminal that, you know, you give Tom Brady the ball and, you know, Kansas City does all they can, but they don't even have a chance to score. I mean, there's so many different ways that, you know, I'm going to, I'll propose to even change it, but I just think, it's criminal to have a game be decided on one drive, one possession when you just played an entire game. That I just feel like that's not how it's. It's, it's not like golden goal in soccer or something like that. It's well, like that. Kansas City played for the best record in the AFC all year, and then it came to a coin toss in overtime, and they lost. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, and the, the the probably the MVP candidate in Patrick Mahomes doesn't get a chance to to do it. And of course, yes, you want a chance on the field, you make a stop. That's what everybody's going to say, but. But Kansas City can't do that. Yeah, but and their defense. Yeah, we knew this from the start. As soon as Kansas City lost that toss, they were probably going to lose that football game. But I personally say, I mean, why not give them just? You have to play out the whole period. At the end of the first overtime period, then you can go to sudden death, 
or something like that. But if we're gonna if we're gonna go into overtime and have them play, have both the teams play to try and make this a game. I don't know. It's that's that's my, my biggest issue, which we'll see it more in the column. Is just that I feel like it's not exciting to watch overtime in the NFL. The games went to overtime. I don't get that. I, I mean, that game was. I thought oh, that no, game of was course. still exciting. Well, of course, and, but it's the way that I look at it is in the Saints Rams game. Uh, Drew Brees throws that interception, right? And they bring it down. They're, 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 the Rams are down at midfield. Essentially, the game is over. I'm not saying that anything couldn't happen, but the, the, the Rams drive, they're not, even, they're not even trying for a touchdown. Greg Zerling kicked well, no, a 50. they're playing to the rules. No, but that's my point yeah. is that it's Saints not. Saints could have kicked a field goal. It's not exciting. While well, they were moving up the field, trying to get closer and closer, of course. But with the rules, the Saints kick a field goal, they're basically handing the Rams the game. Because then if the Rams go down and score a touchdown, they lose. Well, that's where defense comes into play. Well, uh, of course. Each team should at least get a possession. Yes. I think there should be a rebuttal no matter what the first but team if does. But if you're going to do that, you have to be able to put a, a limit on it where you say we play one overtime, 15-minute overtime period, and whoever you know is winning at the end of this is good, or if you're not, then you would go into a oh, I don't mind. sudden death. I don't really mind the ties in the regular season, but yes, obviously in the playoffs, you have to play to get a winner, so you just play to get a winner. But, but but just playing to get a winner and having them actually somebody win that game is a different story to me, you know, because they kind of just like, oh, somebody's going to win this, here you go. Like, I definitely think that game would have would have been and could have been different had Kansas City had a chance, you know. Or they, a defense. Yeah, or, or a defense, exactly. I feel like the overtime periods, it was awesome. That was the first time ever they both went into overtime. No doubt. The, the, my biggest takeaway is that the NFL actually had its four best teams playing in those championship games like it was at, it wasn't the Patriots and Jaguars like it was last year where they kind of like fluked into it because their defense no like they had the four best teams playing Jaguars Jaguars you said Jaguars 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 yeah I mean I think I think everybody would love to see the college system implemented in the NFL but I don't think that they will ever do that no put it as a second overtime yeah, I mean, you know, because the NFL, uh, especially in the regular season, they won't do that. It, yeah, maybe, it, maybe, maybe more realistic that they could do that in the playoffs. I think yeah. it's like hockey; you can have certain rules for the to deciding a winner or just settle on the tie in the regular season. But obviously, in the playoffs, you have to build something in that gives a reasonable shot to either team. Instead of just a shootout, you just play overtime until somebody scores. I mean, yeah, NFL give each team a possession, and if they keep matching, you just keep go back and forth till somebody can't match. The logistics of it in the regular <coughs> season is is that they don't want a game going seven or eight over well, yeah, no, because that, they don't want a one o'clock game taking up half of the four o'clock games. Thing. Well, but and, and but as much TV, as all of us want to see that, of course. But you got to think even like, man, like the the reason why the NFL plays one game a week is because of this is like I I can't imagine the physical toll that go through these guys. I mean, I'd watch Julian Edelman make one of those catches and then get hit in the back, and I swear to God, I sat there like, dude, I would you would probably just. Had both your shoulder blades busted on the ground, just laying there like, ugh. But these guys get up car wreck after car wreck. I mean, imagine adding an entire another 30 minutes to that game. I'm not. I'm keeping the regular season the same. Well, of course. I'm saying even the in the playoffs. But I'm saying this is 18 games in adding 30 I minutes. I think those players will crazy. do that if it means they have a better shot to at win, winning the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm not, I don't think they would have any issue with it. It's just there's always so many hurdles to it that. It's like high school shot clock. <laughs> Good luck implementing that one. Yeah, I don't think the NFL will ever do it, but it, I think it would be great if they, if they had the college. I like the college overtime. Yeah, but like somebody did mention spectacular. Oh, the, it really wouldn't do. See, but that's the thing is that I have a different system worked out for it. It'd be college, but it'd be a little bit more enhanced because a lot of the times, I mean, people make the argument the college overtime is the way it is because the kickers in college suck. 
is that they can actually have that only go two or three overtimes because somebody's going to miss a kick or something's going to go wrong. Uh, yeah, I just have them go the length of the field. Just, no, just, do in the, just do in the NFL and just say no field goals. No, no, you just do in the NFL and back them up. You start no, them at the no, 50. No field goals. You score a touchdown. I you get the ball to 20 and you got to score a touchdown possession. or nothing. Okay, so Patriots, Patriots get the touchdown there. Kansas City gets a kickoff and their own possession to score a touchdown. If they don't, game's over, but they at least got a possession to try and make it happen and keep the game going. The NFL is thinking about making uh, pass interference calls reviewable after that last one. Uh, Sports Illustrated reported that be. today. It's like the coaches are limited in the number of challenges they get anyway. Yeah. Let them challenge whatever they want. I don't think they're talking about challenging. I think they're just making it reviewable as to what they could say let them challenge it. Out. What is what is worse, being a New Orleans Saints fan after that call, or being a Detroit Tigers fan after the Armando Galarraga game? Detroit Tigers after Armando Galarraga. That was a regular season game, though. I don't care. It was for a perfect game. Yeah. That's been done far less than a Super Bowl. I would say Saints fan. Oh yeah, I mean they just. I didn't of see situation. videos of any Tigers fans punching their putting their fist through a TV. Because the TVs were a tube back. Because people didn't get hammered on Tuesday night when <laughs> Armando Galarraga was and, playing that regular people, season game. That was very historic. People didn't. People just in. people just wrote death threats to no, Jim Joyce all night. <laughs> all right, we want to do some quick predictions to go home. I'm gonna take tried and true Patriots to take the bowl. I don't think just like I said coming into this game and why I picked the Patriots to beat the Chiefs is. This time of year, it's methodical. The New England Patriots aren't going to get beat. They have to lose a game. They have to fail some way. Or to Or face lose this Eli game. Manning or Nick Foles. Yeah, that, that, those are fluke. The, the Nick Foles thing, not so much. Eli Manning is a fluke um, on a Twice? couple different plays. No, no, no. I'm saying I'm, to begin with, the very first time they beat him, everybody goes, they were about to be undefeated. It was a fluke as compared. They had to, they had to lose that game is my point. Either way. I think the Rams' inexperience is going to come back to bite them compared to... I mean, Tom Brady has four times as many Super Bowls as anybody on that entire roster. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Patriots. Are we going square predictions? Because it'll be a close game. It'll be- yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to take Patriots. I'll take Patriots every time. Uh, give, give Bill Belichick two weeks, and he's going to deconstruct the team and just find a way to pick at them and, and find that weakness and exploit it all game. I think the only argument you got for the Rams is because of that phantom call, there may be a team of destiny, but how far does destiny really go? That's all a lot of people are going to be talking about if they do pull off the win, but yeah. I, I will say, I mean, except for really Tom Brady, I do think that the Rams have a more talented team. If we talk about having a Dominican Sue, Aaron Donald on the line, Aqib Tlaib in the back, I mean, their one cornerback did not play very good uh, yesterday. He had a, there was actually a couple blown calls on just him in general. But on offense with Todd Gurley, I mean, C.J. Anderson has picked it up. Robert Woods. There's Brandon the potential Cooks. for a game. That's what I mean, is that they have they have probably the most weapons on both sides of the ball. I, I There's every reason in the world why they're in the Super Bowl. So I definitely don't count them out in any aspect. It's just that when you put, once again, a Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady or you put a 30-year quarterback in Jared Goff against Tom Brady in those last two minutes of a game, Pretty sure just about anybody in the country. But the Rams got a score, score, score right yeah, away. I do think it's interesting that uh, I do think it's interesting they brought it up yesterday that the Patriots dynasty started by being the St. Louis Rams and now they're Full playing circle. the LA Rams. Does that mean it'll finally be over Maybe after be this one? We hope. All right, enough NFL talk. Enough talk from us in general. That's true. Here. James, who you got in the Royal Rumble this Sunday? That's my Super Bowl. John Cena. I don't. I don't know who's in it. Just guess a guy. I. I Sure. John Cena's in it. Okay. Same name as the You're going John Cena? Okay. I like my wife. The Undertaker, is he still wrestling again? He is, but he won't be in the Rumble, probably. What about Shawn Michaels? 
Did you end the show, or are we just sitting here? No, nope. we're just sitting here. I have not yet. You guys haven't let me. So you guys started getting in. We've been way trying way. to. We've been trying to shut up for an hour. All right, time for us to shut up. Please uh, share, like the podcast for chance to join Jimmy John's. And that is it, folks. That is the end of episode sixty-five. Come back next week. Another episode. Sixty-five still alive. Same, same three dudes next yeah, week. Except I'll be taking the host chair from now. When am I going to get the host? Six, six, six. Who do I got to suck up to to get the hosting gig? They. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they. they. All right, that's it. We're out.